African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You're listening to African Dialogue as usual. We'll come to you at 11 o'clock Central African time. Uh, thank you for being with us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. And also, if you're listening to us uh, on uh, DSTV on Channel 802 on uh, the audio bouquet, this is African Dialogue where we have debates and conversations on the big, con- on the big issues of the African continent. Uh, well, today we're going to be speaking about a very very interesting uh topic and very complex from my perspective i'm also wanting to learn what's going on in this regard in terms of uh, intellectual property and how it works in the pharmaceutical industry uh, the international medical humanitarian agency doctors without borders also known as msf has reiterated its concern about what it says is an increasing barrage of intense criticism that india faces for its progressive patent law and policies not only from multinational pharmaceutical companies but also from developed countries. India remains a critical producer of affordable medicines and uh, competition amongst uh, generic drug manufacturers in there have brought the price of medicines down for um, sicknesses such as uh, TB, cancer. We know also uh, they're very critical when it comes to HIV medicines. And uh, uh, it's also interesting to see that uh, uh, some of the world's poorest countries rely heavily on generic medicines manufactured in the South Asian countries and uh, MSF argues that any changes that erode the safeguards included in India's patent law law would keep medicine prices too high. Now we have uh, Claire Waterhouse uh, in our studio who is the advocacy advisor for MSF's uh, access campaign in South Africa. We also have Lottie Ratos joining us from the treatment action campaign on the line. Claire, thank you for coming in our studios. Now let's start from the beginning, what we're talking about when we're speaking about intellectual property and patenting in the pharmaceutical industry, just for our listeners who don't understand the space in medicine. Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so when we talk about intellectual property, we're talking about the idea of protecting an idea, a creative thing that you've come up with. Mm. And when we're speaking specifically about it in the pharmaceutical industry, it's around medicines. Mm. And what it means is that companies, big pharmaceutical companies, can apply for a patent. And if they get given this patent, it means that they basically have a monopoly on that project and on, on, on that medicine and on that price for 20 years, actually often more than that because of the way the system is flawed. So that means for 20 years they can charge whatever they like because they have absolutely no competition. Now tell us a little bit about patenting. What is that? Because... Those are two different definitions, intellectual property and patenting. Yeah, patenting is when you apply to protect your intellectual property, right? So uh, in South Africa, the system is is actually very simple, too simple in fact. Um, We call it a depository system, and it's essentially all you have to do is fill in a form, pay a price, and then you have 20 long years of protection, which is actually ridiculous in our opinion. So tell us a little bit about where we are in the space and countries such as 
South Africa and maybe if you know what's happening in other countries, maybe you can give us examples on the continent. Um, are we in a good space? I know that the price of medicines can be relatively high in South Africa, especially when you look at sicknesses such as cancer specifically. Um, cancer medication can be mm. very, very um, costly, and mm-hmm. especially when you want quality care. Mm. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a massive problem and we see it uh, across the continent in many other countries and in South Africa especially. Um, MSF is a part of a coalition called the Fix the Patent Laws Coalition and Lottie, who's on this call as well, TAC is a part of it. Um, and we've been fighting since 2011 for South Africa to reform its patent laws to actually make access to affordable medicines possible. Right now our system is really aggressive. It gives undeserved patents to companies who, who really don't need them and that m- makes medicines completely unaffordable. And there's stories like that across the world. It's not a unique thing and this is definitely a battle that we have to take across the whole world. Uh, for now, our focus is specifically on South Africa, but you mentioned India as mm-hmm. well. MSF is also working in India on this, um, where they actually have had pretty progressive patent laws, but as you mentioned, it's under attack. It's really shocking and, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to take a stand against that as well. Mm. Well, let me come to you, Lottie, on the line in terms of uh, maybe let's look at uh, the advantages of intellectual property in terms of pharmaceutical in, in the pharmaceutical industry. Are there any? So the pharmaceutical industry will often kind of state the case that we need intellectual property in order to ensure that we're coming up with new, uh, better medicines. It's to drive the innovation of new medicines. But the reality is that the system is failing us in terms of innovation. Uh, It's encouraging companies to make very minor changes to their medicine, which aren't very innovative, in order to gain extra patents and extra 20-year monopolies to, you know, maintain price controls over those medicines. And it also means that um, diseases that are affecting mainly poor people are neglected because what the pharmaceutical industry don't have a... uh, an interest in pursuing medical innovation in those areas because they're not going to make a lot of money back. So, mm. for instance, with tuberculosis, which is obviously our leading cause of death here in South Africa, um, the, the reality is that we've only seen like two or three new medicines in the last 60 years, mm. um, all because the pharmaceutical industry, you know, can't really be bothered to put their money into that because they're not going to make a lot of profit back again at the end. Um, so we don't think it's the best system in order to drive new innovation and rather what it's doing is uh, stopping access to medicines when we need them. Mm. But someone who's listening would be asking the question right now, how there isn't a a medical body that's actually supervising this patenting system or this intellectual property of medicines because shouldn't there be a a regulatory body, whether it's the World Health Organization, that's making sure that uh, um, pharmaceutical companies are not actually taking advantage of uh, uh, the health space whereby they're overcharging with prices or actually they're utilizing their patents as a profit-making mechanism. Why don't we have such a system where there is a body that's supervising uh, the patenting space? So it actually sits within the World Trade Organization. So for a member of the World Trade Organization, then you have to have this uh, legality in place where you give 20-year patents. That's Mm. 
um, part of the package. But as well as part of the package is a number of flexibilities that countries can use, things like thoroughly examining patent applications that come in, come in um, things like being able to bypass patent applications if there's a public health need, or to oppose patent applications if you think they don't have the merit of deserving them. So there's a number of flexibilities that we could as South Africa use, but we haven't, we're very delayed in putting those things into our national laws. Um, countries like India, Thailand, Malaysia, Argentina have got, got these kind of flexibilities in their law, which allows them to put public health need above uh, the interests of international companies. Um, but this is what we've been pushing for in uh, the Fixed Pattern Laws campaign, which is to try and ensure all those flexibilities are in our law so that uh, we can ensure that public health is protected and we can uh, better access those expensive medicines quicker uh, by reducing the price of them with entry of generic competitors. Well, I'm going to come back to you, ladies, because I want to see and hear from you uh, in terms of India. It seems to be getting this right in terms of pricing regulation. It seems like it's something that they've been pretty good at. And maybe you guys can give us an example of what they're doing correctly in order to get that accessibility of medicines and the pricing at a very regular and decent uh, price. Well, today we're looking at a very, very interesting conversation. We're looking at uh, intellectual property when it comes to the pharmaceutical um, space or pharmaceutical industry. What are your thoughts on this particular issue? We know that even the excess of the health industry is becoming more and more expensive as a whole. It's almost like health overall is becoming a privilege of sorts. What are your thoughts? Remember, you can uh, Twitter us at uh, uh, Channel Africa 1, at Channel Africa 1, or at African Dialogue. want to hear your thoughts. It's 11.16 uh, Central African time. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with our guests and continue this very fascinating conversation as we unpack uh, really how this intellectual property of medicines work. Let's take a quick break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. Definitely here on Channel Africa, that's what we are all about. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms on DSTV, on our website. And if you're listening to us on Shortwave, thank you for being part of the Channel Africa family. Well, today here on African Dialogue, we're looking at health, something that we don't do very often and a very serious uh, issue that we're looking at here, which is uh, really intellectual property of medicines and uh, the idea of the fact that medicines are becoming more and more pricey and uh, just accessing health uh, on the African continent has become a very, very big, expensive, expensive, uh, it's almost become a luxury of sorts, which shouldn't be. It should be based and seen as a human right. But we've got Claire Waterhouse who's joining us from uh, Doctors Without Borders uh, in South Africa. We also have Lottie Irata, who is uh, the uh, campaign manager 
manager for the treatment action campaign i want to come to you um uh claire and look at uh, you guys using india as uh, one of your positive examples of uh, how you can actually um use affordable medicines and also still have a competitive space in the uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing industry. Give us a little bit about what's happening in India that is so positive that you guys are also fighting against uh, the pressures of uh, patenting that are uh, from outside forces in India. Mm, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a reason that we call India the pharmacy of the developing world. It's it's honestly become one of the biggest suppliers of cheap and affordable medicines for the continent, for most developing countries in the world. South Africa is especially reliant on it. Most of our medicines are generics. Um, and, and that's been really important for us, especially in the fight against HIV, for example. Mm. Um, so India has traditionally really been strong in this from the 1970s until about 2005, they didn't grant patents. They really t- took that chance to develop their own local industry to be able to make these generics and to be able to provide cheaper medicines for their own people but for everyone else. Um, and then in 2005, they did have to start granting patents, but uh, Lottie mentioned earlier in this interview about the flexibilities that you can use which allow countries to prioritize public health. Mm. Um, and so India brought in those flexibilities and really used them quite strongly. And that as a result, honestly, it's, it's changed the face of how we access medicines in the world. Um, MSF, for example, 97% of the medicines that we use in our projects in Africa are from India. They're generics. The problem is now that we're starting to see that India is under a huge amount of pressure to actually change from that. From whom? From from all over the world, particularly we're seeing it from the EU, from the US, from countries like Switzerland, Japan, South Korea. And these countries who have very strong pharmaceutical industries are now trying to protect their own industries. So they are trying to negotiate free trade agreements with India. The companies themselves in India are really trying to get close to the government and force them into allowing them to get undeserved patents so that they can have these monopolies, charge whatever they like. And it's, it's extremely worrying. It's worrying for India itself, who has as, as we know, a huge population who need affordable medicines, but it's worrying for us here in South Africa and on the rest of the continent mm-hmm. because we rely on those cheaper medicines, which are, you know, they've been literally lifesavers for millions of people. So, you know, it's really important that India stands up to this pressure um, and, and fights back, but we're already seeing some things starting to weaken and it, it's honestly very worrying for us. Mm-hmm. Like coming to you, lot in terms of, some arguments that are made in the pharmaceutical industry around patenting is the fact that it's very important in terms of making sure uh, that uh, you control the the quality of medicines in, in, in themselves. Is that a fair argument for them to make, the fact that uh, with generics, it's not all the time that uh, uh, they get the right mixes of uh, medication right, and uh, sometimes it's uh, a deficiency whereby you see uh, a weakening of certain drugs uh, due Due to the fact that you have multiple generics of one form of uh, medication. Um, what are your thoughts around that particular issue? That's been argued over and over again. So that's uh, uh, not true. So they're, they're two separate systems. We have the intellectual property system, which is uh, talking about patents and the pricing of medicines. And then we have the regulatory system, which is monitoring quality of medicines. So anyway, unpatented medicines still have to go through all the rigor of the quality process through the regulatory system, uh, through the old Medicines Control Council, and now through the new South African Health um, Products Regulatory Agency. So that all happens. It doesn't matter whether it's a 
a patented product or an unpatented product. It, if it's registered into South Africa, then it was going to be a safe uh, quality medicine. Um, but uh, the industry loved purporting this kind of imagery so that people don't want to access these generic medicines because obviously they are, uh, you know, driving the the, the, the the driving the customers away from them in a sense. But I think what the most important thing is to think about what the actual cost of medicines are and how it's affecting people. So as an example. Um, there's a medicine, uh, we, we recently did a report into a lot of cancer medicines. Mm. So one, to treat multiple myeloma, lenalidomide, um, it is patented up until 2026, so we've still got a long way to go before we get an unpatented version, mm. and it costs 882,000 rands wow. in South Africa. So obviously it's not available in the public sector, it's not available on private wow. medical schemes. In India, because they're able to uh, use the flexibilities in the patent system better, it's available for 30, uh, 32,000 hmm. rand for a person per year. So that's a significant drop. Uh, let's take another example. There's a medicine called Entecavir. It's to treat hepatitis B. Hmm. Uh, in South Africa, it's got multiple patents on it because we don't check any patent applications, so we keep granting them. It wow. costs uh, up to 5,500 rand per person a month. Wow. In India... It's about 900 rand per person a month. And yet economists have done a study into how much does it cost to actually make that medicine, how much with, with a profit margin, and it's about 41 rand per person a month. So there's huge profit margins going into these medicines, um, which are making them entirely unaffordable for people to access in this country. And ultimately, people are either suffering or dying without accessing these life-saving medicines that could be available to them. What is the justification, Claire, for these high prices with these examples that Lotzi has made? I don't see a reason why they should be that high. What's the justification and, and how, you know, is it actually allowed? You're 100% right. I mean, how can you justify that? It's shocking. The the examples that Lottie have given are just some of the examples that we found, mm. some of the really shocking stuff. And, I mean, this applies across the disease spectrum, across no matter what walk of life you come from, whether you're rich or you're poor, mm. you are not going to be able to afford these medicines like this. And I think, you know, the industry would say that their justification is that they put a lot of time and money into making these medicines and they deserve to get money back. Um, but for us, that, that does does not hold water how can you price someone's life like that how can you actually say your life is worth this in South Africa and this in India we know that there are alternative ways of doing this we know that there are perfectly legal flexibilities that we could be using in South Africa that India is using but these companies you know for them profit is the bottom line and Lottie mentioned it earlier the whole system is flawed how can we be motivating uh, profit for people's lives it's it's, it's absolutely not right and no. I want us to look at this TRIPS agreement. What what yeah. does TRIPS stand for, and, and what is what is this in light of what we what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. So um, TRIPS is a part of the World Trade Organization. It's mm. an agreement that any country who wants to be a part of the WTO has to sign. So obviously, we are South Africa. We're in the WTO, so we have signed it. And TRIPS stands for the Trade Related Aspects of Intellectual Property Agreement. Mm. It's obviously much easier just to say <laughs> TRIPS. <laughs> um, so. What TRIPS is, is basically saying that we will adhere to a certain patent regime and we will do these 20-year monopoly things. Um, and we had to do that in order to be a part of the WTO. But we and many other countries across the world have realized that actually TRIPS is immensely unfair 
uh, for middle-income countries in particular, but for all countries, in forcing countries to make a choice between trade and the World Trade Organization and the health of their people. So that's where these flexibilities come in that Lottie mentioned. It's literally a part of international law. It was reinforced in 2001 in the Doha round at the WTO. And those flexibilities are essentially saying, we understand that in some cases, countries will need to put the health of their people ahead of the profits of big pharmaceutical corporations. And so we should be using those flexibilities. And What are those flexibilities? Yeah, so in, in my opinion, uh, they're, they're really common sense things and they're not controversial, but yeah. um, it's amazing how much pressure you come under not to use them, even though they're part of law. Essentially, it's things like bringing in a patentability criteria. So just having some strict criteria that you hold patents up against to make sure that they're actually deserved, that they actually are an invention that deserves 20 long years of protection. Mm. It's things like patent examination. I mean, it is, it's insane to me, unimaginable, that mm. in South Africa, our patents are not examined. They don't check whether they actually stand up to any kind of criteria. They don't check whether it's already been uh, rejected in another country or anything like that. It's things like um, uh, opposition. So in any system, you have an appeal system, right? It, it makes sense. Sure. And we should have that in the yeah, patent system sure. as well. We should be able to oppose patents. And there will safeguard societal interests, exactly. public interests. Yeah, yeah, we should be able to hold it accountable and say, actually, before or after granting the patent, this patent is not deserved for X, Y, Z. Mm. And this patent should be rejected for X, Y, Z mm. reasons, you know. Mm. And then finally, we, we're really advocating as fix the patent laws also for compulsory licensing, which is one of the flexibilities. And that's essentially when the government has a mechanism, a usable mechanism that can actually say, actually, enough is enough. We need this medicine for our people and, uh, and we will override your patent at this point so that we can get generics into the country to provide the medicine for the people who need it the most. Well, thanks, ladies, for giving us your time. We'll continue just uh, the last part of our conversation after our break. We've got Claire Waterhouse, uh, who's joining us from MSF, or Doctors Without Borders, Lottie Rutter, is on the line also with us, uh, joining us from a treatment action campaign. Well, very informative uh, program we're having today, and I'm learning a lot from the ladies indeed. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, see what's the way forward. How can we actually uh, see a change uh, uh, from uh, the perspective of civil society indeed in terms of how things can be changed it's almost 11 30 central african time you're still listening to african dialogue with me benjamin mushatama let's take a quick one and then after the break we'll continue this debate channel africa has good news for you we have extended our reach if you have an ipad or iphone download the channel africa ios app at itunes.apple.com If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. 
Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you things from an African perspective, something that we do not shy about. Definitely, that is our mandate and uh, something that we don't hide from you. As our listener, we definitely pan-African and proud to be. Thank you for listening to us on our frequency, 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to South Africa, Southern Africa rather, whether you're listening to us from Zambia to uh, Kenya. Uh, thank you for being part of the Channel Africa family. Family. Today we are looking at this very interesting uh, viewpoint from civil society about patenting and we've got uh, Claire Waterhouse who's joining us from Doctors Without Borders. Lottie Irada is on the line uh, uh, joining us from the Treatment Action Campaign. Lottie, you've been a bit quiet that side. Let me come back to you. In terms of uh, the way forward, what is the ideal situation? What would we like to see, especially from civil society being a better way of doing things? I mean, one of my projects Producers is quietly sitting there in the background. He spends around maybe five thousand a month for his medication. I, I don't know he can really afford that every month, but you literally see him actually every month paying that amount of money for his medicines. Uh, so, what is the ideal situation here? So, the ideal situation is that uh, so there's been a process happening in the Department of Trade and Industry for about eight years now, which is looking into how we can reform our national. Uh, laws in order to incorporate all of these flexibilities that Claire was talking about. Um, and so the, 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 the perfect thing to happen would be that that process swiftly comes to a conclusion where we uh, start seeing bills going through Parliament, where we're actually seeing law reform happening, where we're actually seeing patent examiners examining patent applications and uh, rejecting ones that don't meet our standards that we have a high standard for what deserves a patent in this country, not just something which has you know, been combined with something else or has been slightly modified. Um, so that all these flexibilities are written into our national laws and that we start using them to ensure that access to, uh, access to medicines becomes easier in this country. Oh, I'm sure you agree with that, Claire. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, the process has been long and there's been many delays, many hurdles to climb, but we seem to be getting relatively close to the end and, and we're going to keep pushing the government until this process is concluded. We're waiting for this final policy, then it needs to go to Parliament and it, it needs to happen quickly because it literally is costing lives. In terms of progress that's been made, are we seeing some form of consensus somewhere? Where is the conversation right now? Because we have a very strong pharmaceutical industry in South Africa, one that's very resilient as well and very capitalistic in its approach. So how you bring everyone on the table. Isn't that mm. difficult, Claire? It's extremely difficult, and I think that is why this has taken so long. And, and what it's taken is for finally the acknowledgement to be made that actually people's lives are more important than profit. I know we keep saying it, but I, it, you cannot overstay that, I think. Mm. Um, so I think that you might find that the industry in South Africa is not impressed with what is happening and are trying to work against it. But um, I'm, I'm fairly relieved to say, actually, that the, the Department of Trade and Industry does seem to have realized what's more important and is taking a stand and pushing this forward slowly but surely. So for us, the issue is now no more delays. We've decided what we're going to do as a country. And this is a time actually for South Africa to step up and be a role model to other countries. If we can stand against that pressure, maybe so can India. Well, what, what does this mean in terms of when you look at the economic inequalities in, 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 in South Africa, a country like South, South Africa, I uh, can't even imagine other parts of the continent. How important is this kind of reforming uh, the system here 
when you see the inequalities on the ground and also the fact that even our public health system is not really at its top level it's pretty poor at, at this rate yeah absolutely uh, that's why this is this is crucial i mean it, it's a complicated topic but it really touches every single one of us and yeah. it's so important that it happens quickly we know that south africa is a hugely unequal society and it's even worse when you can't afford your own medicine so mm. it, it's terrible and and you mentioned the health sector you know is not it's not doing so well yeah. one thing we need to remember is that if south well, africa had actions to uh, access to these cheaper medicines and and all of that they could save millions and millions of rands and every rand that is not spent on these expensive brand name medicines that unnecessarily can be diverted to better our infrastructure and to start fixing some of the other problems but doesn't this actually coming to you lotsy compromise the health and the strength of the pharmaceutical industry in south africa in itself wouldn't there be a compromise there from the companies themselves because there are forms of businesses despite that the fact that they're in the health space i think that's an important question but it's actually like the the industry we have in south africa is mainly a generic based industry it's not an innovative um industry that is developing lots of new medicines so we're actually those companies are actually the ones who are being restricted from entering the market because these international companies are patenting their medicines in this country and stopping them from actually being able to compete. So this, these reforms, whilst it's uh, you know critical for the health sector, is also going to benefit um, the economy of South Africa because the trade deficit is being, you know, the fifth largest driver is because of pharmaceuticals imported. But it's also going to help drive um, local industry who are going to be able to start competing because there won't be so many patents on those medicines. Um, and, and the pharmaceutical industry often say, you know, like, well, if you if you make these changes, then we're no longer going to invest in your country, and that's going to have you know economic implications. But there's a there's a there's a great example of how in Novartis, one company in India, they were trying to get battle against the fact that one of their patents had been rejected in India, and for six years they battled, and they kept saying, no, if India doesn't give us a patent, we're going to withdraw all of our operations from India. And then actually, what happened afterwards when they lost? is that they expanded operations in India and like more foreign investment went to that country from mm. that company. So there's a lot of um, misrepresentations and lies by the pharmaceutical industry to protect their position. But ultimately, this is going to help South Africa in terms of health. This is going to help South Africa in terms of our economy. This is going to help South Africa in terms of investment in the country. So it's a no-brainer. Mm. Uh, you know, I've got this question here in terms of uh, the issue of innovation as, as we wrap it up. Uh, are we paying for the shortage of medical engineers here? And that's the question that's linked to maybe the innovation that is required in, in this particular space. Maybe there's a there's a lack of uh, um, skill set in the, the, the medicine space. You know, I think we can always do with more skills, of course. Um, but uh, South Africa, actually, we have some pretty good research and development in our universities happening. Mm, you know, sure. we have a lot of really dedicated people to this. The problem comes when those medicines get sold on to these big-name pharmaceuticals who yeah. then just strangle access to that, you know. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, I would never say no to more people who can invest and innovate new drugs. Of yeah, course, yeah. that would be wonderful. And yeah. if we could even overhaul that whole system, you know, um, that that's wonderful. But... I 
don't think that is the root of this IP okay, problem okay. specifically. It's it's certainly always a concern, and you mentioned there's lots of health infrastructure issues. But in this IP thing, it's it's not due to a, a lack of skills. And what would the role ought to be of the ordinary doctor who also utilizes some of these medicines be? Do they play a I role mean, in terms of mm. also being part of this conversation? I mean, it's important for us to hear from doctors about how they are unable to give their the right prescriptions to people because the medicines aren't available to them in the public sector or mm. perhaps the private medical companies don't want to pay for that. So it's either you pay out of pocket or you don't get access to it. So obviously that, um, you know, the voices of doctors is important on that measure. I mean, there was legislation back when, you know, in the late 90s, um, which you know, ensured that doctors had to start prescribing generics. Um, so that's already in the law that um, those things are in place. Um, but yeah, their voices are really important into this campaign. Well, that's where we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, ladies, for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the clarity because it's such a complex mm-hmm. uh, uh, topic. So we thank you for just giving us uh, your views from a, an understandable level. So thank you to Claire Waterhouse who's joining us uh, from Doctors Without Borders. Thank you for coming into our studios. Uh, thank you to Lottie Orato who's speaking to us telephonically from the Treatment Action Campaign. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll have some music and then when we come back, We'll get our business news and then we'll have our sports. But let's take a quick break and then we'll be back after this. You can run for miles and miles. You can fly if you just remember now. To hit the ground as often as you do You can shout at the top of your lungs You can say, I am here as well Until everyone that you ever meet Starts listening this life if you're in this life, if you're in this life, if you're, don't waste it. You can run. The ends of the earth you can hide if you just remember everything that you're running from. 